interviewing Marcus Liu, uh, iBear25, who's the director for Asia Commodities Trading. We're in Shanghai, China, at the Intercontinental Hotel. Marcus. Thank you, Dick, very much for offering this opportunity to me. Uh, first of all, please allow me to introduce Mercuria to start. Mercuria is one of the leading commodity trading house uh, in the world, based in uh, Switzerland, with uh, footprint uh, all across the globe, particularly in uh, America, Asia, and Africa. So myself is responsible now for its hard commodity trading in Asia with uh, focus in China. So Mercurius total uh, sales revenue per annum is about uh, 100, 100 billion US dollar per annum. Uh, every year is going. Uh, every year is increased by like a five to ten percent in terms of uh, revenue. Tell us why commodity prices fell so much over the past three or four years. You mean and it fell so much, right? Okay. And then after you talk about that a little bit, tell us why they're rebounding. In, in particular, coal and iron ore, your okay. specialty. I think this is a, a very good question. So uh, there's, of course, there are a lot of reasons uh, triggering that. For example, the oil crisis and also Russia. Uh, but on the anor and, uh, and the coal side, I think it's uh, primarily uh, because of uh, China. So China sun- suddenly slowed down its growth speed. So uh, from seven, eight, or nine percent per annum of GDP, uh, then down to people estimated like a six percent or six point five percent. So the um, the demand for hard commodities, especially coal and iron ore, has dropped a lot. Meanwhile, on the supply side, due to the last. 10 years Chinese boom. So all the producers in the whole world are trying very hard to catch up with the Chinese demand. So uh, suddenly when China start to slow down, there was oversupply. Let's switch the conversation to something about domestic China. Yes. So over the last few years under the leadership of President Xi, Hundreds of thousands of people have been arrested, uh, government officials, some business people. Is that having, and, and presumably there's a lot of corruption that's been uncovered and, and uh, that's being modified. What impact does that have though on business? My impression is that investment is, is slowing, uh, city development city party secretaries don't want to approve projects or don't want to green light things quickly and they then kick things upstairs to the provincial level or maybe the national level which slows things down. Is that is that true or is that just a view from reading The Economist? 
So what I'm seeing is that I think uh, President, uh, President Xi Jinping is doing the right thing for China and also for the world. Uh, as for the impact on our day-to-day -day business side, we see more transparency uh, and uh, less bureaucracy uh, for day -to -day, uh, in our day-to-day -day operations. Uh, meanwhile, we also see some reluctance, hesitance to move things around in where we are, you know, working. I think it's not uncommon now in China. However, personally, I believe this is a short term. Short term meaning three years? No, I think um, maximum two years. Two more years. Yeah. But actually, the things start to be improved compared to six or 12 months ago, it's already start to be improved. What, what, what's the, what do you, what do you <laughs> see, how, how do you know, what, what's the indicators you see of improvement in? All right, and uh, people are more willing to talk or discuss with you about some creative ideas and how to get things done rather than just wait and see. You know, more and more, people and the leadership start to take actions, react to our request. So your request might be to a, a power company, make a commitment, buy some coal from us for three months delivery or six months delivery? Well, something like that. You know, uh, steel industries, you know, power generation industries, uh, even some trading companies, our trading counterparties in China, and in, yeah, particularly in, in China, you see the willingness and the reaction to our questions or requests. Marcus, tell yeah. me about your customers. Mm -hmm. are, are 75 percent of your customers state-owned enterprises or 100 percent state-owned enterprises? What, what's, what's the mix? For example, 10 years ago, when the trading activities of commodity is quite, was quite active, and the economy was growing like a nine or 10 percent, right, the double digit. So everybody was trading. So our customers, our range of customers consists of SOEs, but I think 80 percent of private sectors, 20 percent SOEs. Then five years ago, then maybe 50-50. And nowadays, something like 70. 70 SOE. Yes, and 30. Well, you know, it's not a very accurate, but it's gut feeling. I think it's more or less accurate. You know, yeah, 30, 25 or 30 percent of our clients are private sectors or, yeah, the trading house. So that, that change in composition, mm -hmm. uh, this occurred after China prevented a crash here by tremendous expansion of credit after the, the Lehman Brothers crash. And most of that credit went to state-owned enterprises. And so they became that much more powerful in the economy since 2009 or 2010. 
You're, you so, are right so, here. So they become 70% of your, yes. your client base. Yes, yes. More, yeah, they got a more, much more bank credit than private sectors. Yeah, so, um, and uh, you, you know what is the reason? It's not because the central government not giving the private sector enough fund. Well, you know, it's, it's more or less related to the how to say the trend of the commodity trading itself because the market started the, the price start to decline and the profit for the trading is getting thinner and thinner however the private sectors uh, the the leverage too much from the uh, from the banks so then the, the, there's uh, not enough profit to support that activities then then uh, then eventually, uh, naturally, they uh, just uh, left the market. You know, nobody forced them, but they, you know, I think, I think they left the market by themselves. I think it is also the nature of coal and or because so we, these sector, these two sectors, uh, because oversupply situation, right? We start to streamline the industries and the consolidating the industries. So, so, so more and more. SOE guys start to take over the smaller or medium-sized guys, so they become stronger and bigger. Eventually, so those private guys and who might be a little bit smaller, so they eventually they get they out get, of the market. Yeah, yeah, they're wiped out. So, yeah. but, I mean, just one last point on this excess capacity of steel. So the United States has imposed I don't know, 500% tariff or uh, countervailing duties on, on mm -hmm. steel. Mm -hmm. Against Korea, they've imposed 50 percent, mm -hmm. and uh, the CEO of a big steel company there, uh, Dongyang Tinplate, mm -hmm. was saying, 50 percent, 500 percent, it doesn't matter. Anything over 50 percent, nobody can sell. But what he said is the U.S. market demands more steel than the U.S. can produce. Mm -hmm. It needs to import, and uh, if it can't import from China, that's that's the big supplier. You mean steel sector, right? <laughs> I think uh, there's a lot of uh, reasons uh, for the steel oversupply, and uh, there is a different readings. I think both in the international society and also Chinese society, uh, there's a different readings about uh, Chinese steel dumping. Uh, myself does not have a, a clear uh, how to say concept about this, but just on the day-to-day -day trading side, what I'm seeing that uh, I think Chinese government and also the Chinese steel players are seeing this oversupplying situation in China, and they also are seeing that. Uh, relying on overseas market to offset the price risk is not good enough. So hence, the current central government, although the price has gone up and down, mostly up, you know, in the last six months, the central government, NDRC as well, is really firm on the oversupply cutting. DRC. NDRC. National Development Research Council? Yes. Mm. So they're giving orders to state-owned enterprises close some factories? 
I think they are making suggestions to the industries. They are making suggestions and proposals. And uh, maybe they listen, maybe do not listen. However, I think the market is giving them an answer. So, Marcus, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Jopnik. Business class. Expert insight into the world of business. The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite. <laughs>